0: Pastor Xavier Reese on the power of the Word.
1: How easy it is to look to the world, which is a type of Egypt, for our solutions as Christians rather than trusting in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, as you know, it says trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your understanding, and all your ways that will acknowledge. You. We think that, that we know better. The Word of God works. It will work, but not against your will. That's the key.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's easy to sing, trust, and obey, for there's no other way. But what happens when God calls you on your proclamation of faith? Today, as he continues his study in the book of Isaiah, Pastor Xavier exposes the essence of true faith and the consequences of following after the flesh. He begins by giving our text for today's message.
1: Isaiah chapter 31, verse 1 through 9. The message is entitled, Trust Not in the Arm of Flesh. Isaiah the prophet has been warning Judah about trusting Egypt for their strength. And he has been calling them to rather trust the Lord. But she has given a deaf ear to God. We follow this through the book of Isaiah. And so often God is like that, pursuing his people. And yet, I used to think that the wilderness journey was the exception when I first came to the Lord. After 27 years, I believe that the wilderness is probably the rule of most Christians. There is that bent within us to want to rule our own lives. There is that compulsion to depend on the trust in our flesh. It's innate in us. And unless we walk in the Spirit we will fulfill the desires of the flesh, the Bible says. The prophet moves to pronounce the fifth woe in this section to Judah for going down to Egypt for help, revealing God in a threefold role as a father. And as we look at these three things, they seem to be almost at opposition, but if they come from the perspective of a father, they are not. They are very congruous in his love for them. Let me read these nine verses. He says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring disaster and will not call back his words, but will arise against the house of evildoers and against the help of those who work iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall, and he who is helped will fall down. They all will perish together. For thus saith the Lord, uh, as he has spoken to me, as a lion roars and a young lion over his prey. When the multitude of shepherds is summed against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor be disturbed by their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come down to fight from, from Mount Sion and for his hill. Like birds flying about, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will also deliver it. Passing over, he will preserve it return to him against whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted. For in that day, every man shall throw away his idols of silver and idols of gold, sin, which your own hands have made for yourselves. Then Assyria shall fall by the sword not of man, and a sword not of mankind shall devour him, but he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall become forced labor. He shall cross over his Stronghold for fear, and his princes shall be afraid of the banner, says the Lord, whose fire is in Sion and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. God has revealed to us in this threefold role of a father. First, the indignation against his people, in verse 1 through 3. Secondly, the protection of his city, in verse 4 and 5. And thirdly, the salvation of his people in verse 6 through 9. As a father, we can all identify he's become indignant with his children. Which father has not at one time or another. As a father, he alone steps in to protect. As a father, he alone is seeking the best, in this case, salvation. And so the prophet here lays this out for us very clearly. Let's begin here with the indignation against his people in verse 1 through 3. Notice in verse 1, God warned Judah against trusting in the military power of Egypt. The word woe, as you know, refers to judgment. Isaiah has pronounced woes earlier in the book, chapter 10, verse 1, chapter 18, verse 1. Woe always speaks of judgment. Now judgment can only be averted by repentance. But even sometimes when we look to the scriptures, the woes that are pronounced, they are already set. They cannot be averted. They've crossed that line. And it's sad when that takes place. This has not been the case here as we're going to see. But at times the line is drawn and nothing can be done. This is the fifth woe. In the section that began in chapter 28 to 33, you find six of them in this section. It is like a little apocalypse, this section, which deals with Israel in terms of Judah, the south, in the days of Isaiah, but also looks forward to the tribulation, great tribulation that ushers up the millennial kingdom. Now, they were going down to Egypt for help. Notice that. They were trusting in their horses. They were trusting in their many chariots, which are sort of like tanks and stuff like that. I mean, if, if you had chariots, and, and, and you could wipe people out. And so they were looking to this aspect of it, and yet the law warned the future king about depending on this. When Moses was given the law in Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20, it says, now, when they desire a king like all the other nations, and that happened when they asked for Saul. Tell him not to go down to Egypt for horses, to trust him and all that. And he warned them there. God knows the heart of man. God knows the bent of man. And so God warned them beforehand. And yet, here again, we have this very association. The Egyptians had proven their military might in the past. Israel knew that. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. The Lord gave them over to them, and they came up with 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen of people without number, and they came out of Egypt, 2 Chronicles 12, 2 through 3. So they were very familiar with the power of Egypt. Egypt was a reigning empire. It was a strong arm. And so... This is what they were looking to. They were not trusting in the God of Israel. Notice that. They were not looking to the Holy One of Israel. The word but marks the sharp contrast of their evil. They should have been, but they weren't. The title indicates his refusal to compromise with sin in disobedience. He's the Holy One of Israel. Habakkuk says that God is of pure eyes and to behold evil with permission or condonance. He has to act against it. In fact, the title is a key to the book of Isaiah, appearing 14 times in these first 39 chapters. The Holy One of Israel. Isaiah's calling the people back to God. Isaiah's warning the people about judgment. He's a holy God. And yet God comes down to man. And this is the mind-blower because he seeks to pursue us. He seeks to make us one with him by his grace so that we may walk with him. (laughs) Notice that we're not seeking the Lord also. Now, the Lord here is in all capital letters. And as you know, when that is in capital letters, it's the word or title Yahweh or Jehovah. The covenant God. I am that I am. The one who had delivered them from Egypt, they were not looking to, but they were looking towards Egypt, going back. How easy it is for people once they come to the Lord, they're on fire, and then after years they start going, "Well, you know, there's nothing really wrong with that." And I, I, I come on, we can't be too extreme. And oh, I remember those leeks, those melons, mmm, but we forget the whip the bondage. And we start rationalizing and, and, and being clever. Their actions were treacherous due to the fact that they were his children. As stated earlier, and God warned them. Listen to chapter 30, verse 1 through 3. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me, and who devise plans but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame and trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. He warns them. Interesting, he calls Egypt a shadow. (laughs) No real substance. In fact, Sennacherib The king of Assyria rebuked them himself for trusting Egypt. In 2 Kings 18, 24, he says, How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? (laughs) God's been warning them. Sennacherib even rebukes them. But they're not listening. This is the most frustrating thing as a pastor. As people come and they ask counsel and we say, listen, you shouldn't be doing this. You should do this, this and that. And, and, and it goes on and on and they don't listen. And they're headed for destruction. And then when destruction comes, then they, oh, help me. And, and it's that, that stubbornness, that stiff-neckedness, thinking that we know better. The Egyptians exported Chariots. And Solomon became a distributor of them. <laughs> the wisest man. Is it anyone that he became the biggest fool? First Kings 10, 28, 29 says also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kiva. And the king's merchants brought them to Kiva. And the current price now, a chariot, that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and the horse 150 and thus through their agents they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Solomon became an entrepreneur, a sharp businessman. The world looked at him and says, man, he is smart. God says, bad, bad, bad. Man, is he making a lot of money. God says, boy, is he headed for trouble. Perspective is different, isn't it? The contrast is clear in the Psalms. We used to sing this in the early 70s, Psalm 20, verse 7 and 8. Some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and are upright. The one who leans to the arm of flesh, the one who is trusting in horses and chariots, will fail ultimately. Notice, secondly, God was sarcastic to his people declaring that he also was wise because they were were very smug in their wisdom. Verse 2 there, the people of Judah thought themselves wise in their decision to rely on Egypt, so the prophet proclaims that God is also wise and will bring disaster. The ongoing rebellion cannot be ignored. The ongoing alliance cannot be allowed. You see, the words of the Lord would stand. He would not call it back or retreat from it. So in other words, God cannot lie. When God says something, please believe it. Some people say, well, you know, it only, you only find that one time in the Bible. How many times does God have to say it? God's not like a parent like we are. Johnny, if you say it one more time, it's already the hundredth time. God says it. He's different than us. Egypt would not help Judah. Judah would have to trust the Lord. That's the bottom line. You see, the Lord would arise against the house of evildoers, he says. The leaders and people who were behind the alliance, and there were many in Israel, in Judah, in Jerusalem, they were not open to the message of Isaiah. How would you like to have been Isaiah in those days? You are, you know that? You're living in days just like Isaiah. And if you stand for God, your message is not going to be the most favorable. You're not going to be applauded for it. The evil was depending on their own wisdom and attempting to silence the prophets. In fact, it it is recorded for us in chapter 30, verse 8 on down. It says, now go, write it before them on a tablet. And note it on a scroll, that it may be for a time to come, forever and ever. So in other words, write it down, Isaiah, so when they read it, they read it and say, man, why didn't those guys believe? This is what the Bible is, people. You and I have the Bible, so when we read it, we say, man, God told them, I better pay attention. I better obey. He says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see and do not then to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceit. This is the day we're living in. People say, well, what do you guys want to study the Bible for? What do you, let's not get caught up with doctrine. Let's have some, some new things. We have these prophets coming through, and they do all kinds of different things. And, but don't, don't bother us about sin and, and holiness and, and obedience. Ugh, give us sermonettes for Christianettes. Uh Little hors d'oeuvres. Why do you guys want to spend an hour studying the Bible? Why do you want to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter? You want to read the whole Bible? You're not serious, are you? You'd be amazed how many Christians you talk to. You tell them that you and your pastor and your church go verse by verse and go through the whole Bible. They they would be amazed. You do what? Because churches don't do this. Christians don't do this. Do you read your Bible once a year straight through? I hope so. At least one time. So if you become a Christian 50 years and then you die, you should have read your Bible at least 50 times. you got to put God's Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Therefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because you despise the word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall, a bulge in the high wall, whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant. And he shall break it like the breaking of a potter's vessel which is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so there shall not be found among its fragments. A shard to take fire from the hearth or to take water from the cistern. The consequences of such actions, of such desires. Now, they didn't begin there. This is where they're ending up, away from God. And so the Lord said he would arise against the help of those who work iniquity, still there in verse 2. The Egyptians were ungodly. The Egyptians were taking the place of God. Listen, Christian, Christian. Don't get the Messiah compliment. God may be dealing with a person and you come on by, well, let me help you. Don't get in God's way. God goes out of his way to great extents to get that person the position to teach them the lessons. Don't come by and mess it up. Pray, Lord, do you really want me to help them? Lord, are you in this? Lord, should I back off? Too often... We think we're God. We have to be careful. Notice 30 in verse 3. God was truthful about their choice to trust Egypt. And as a father, this is what he does. We as parents, we want to be truthful with our children. We want to stay forward. Verse 3, the Egyptians were men and not God. So here now God puts his finger on the truth. Here, listen to me well. The Egyptians are men men. Not God. The Egyptian horses were flesh, not spirit. And there's the problem. They're confusing the one for the other. When we get to the place as believers that we think, well, God's done pretty good, you know, but we, I kind of learned, you know, I can kind of, careful. When you start confusing flesh for spirit, when you start depending on flesh and calling it spirit, that's always a danger. He says the outcome would be that the flesh would lose. When the Lord stretches his hand, none would be able to stop or defeat him. Both he who helped and the Egyptians and he who would be helped, Judah, would fall. They all would perish altogether. You see, flesh begets flesh at its best. Every time a man and a woman get married and they have a baby, they beget flesh. You go down to the hospital and see that cute little sinner. Flesh. A woman's never given birth to a saint. Flesh. Because flesh begets flesh. Flesh has sin nature. Flesh is rebellious against God. And unless it is brought into submission to God, you'll always be flesh at best. Now, you know, as Christians, we can be carnal. The Corinthians are a perfect example. 100% beef. And yet they were, oh, we have all these gifts. Gifts don't mean you're spiritual. Gifts just mean that God is gracious. Whenever you use gifts as credentials, you're carnal altogether. They're just gifts for the benefit of the body. The prophet points out the basic mistake of man. He confuses the spirit for the flesh and the flesh for the spirit. And when we depend upon flesh, we are doomed. Second Chronicles sixteen six through 9, tells us, Then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones and timbers of Ramah, which Basha had used for building. And with them he built Gibbah and Mizpah. And at that time Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand, where the Egyptians... In the Liban, not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart are loyal towards him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Oh, King Asa trusted the Lord so good in the past for the Ethiopians, the Libans, and now for Syria? Well, I don't know. It's a little different now. You did foolish. Now you're going to have wars. Oh, how we can just trust the Lord, and and then we get to a place where, well, I think I'll take, I can do this, Lord. You, You don't need to bother. He says, it's no bother. And then all I have is wars for a long time. I add to my own hurt. How easy it is to look to the world, which is a type of Egypt, for our solutions as Christians rather than trusting in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, as you know, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your understanding, in all your ways he will acknowledge you. Acknowledge him in all your ways. The tendency is always there. Trusting in our own understanding and cleverness in our ability to solve our problems. We think that, that we know better. The Word of God works. How often I hear from people says, well, you know, it, it doesn't work. That's a worse commentary on you than it is the Word of God. It's like somebody saying, you know, this gun doesn't work. What do you mean it doesn't work? Load it, point it, pull back the hammer, and shoot it you'll find out that gun kills. The Word of God works. You know how you know when it's working? It'll kill your flesh. You'll die. It will work, but not against your will. That's the key.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the secret to the power of the Word of God. A power that's available to all who submit to the Divine Author. And don't miss next time. There's much more insight to come in the conclusion of this study. Now, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message. The title to ask for is, Trust Not in the Arm of Flesh. It's available on CD for only $4. Once again, the title to ask for is, Trust Not in the Arm of Flesh, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What can happen when you put more confidence in walking by sight rather than in faith? Don't miss the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com